Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org slash give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Hey, you gotta love that song. In fact, how many of you are grateful that today, right at all, you are singing to a great God. Come on, let him hear it. Amen, amen. Hey, well, welcome everyone. Man, what a wonderful day it is to worship God, isn't it? Hey, wherever you're watching, my name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And I want to welcome everyone right now watching us live online or perhaps at one of our local campuses uh, from Doral to Coral Gables downtown uh, to the West Kendall campus, Redland, Homestead, and even here, Palmetto Bay. In fact, family, can you welcome those first-time guests today wherever you're watching? And folks, today we are concluding a series called Skeptics Welcome. And we've been asking a lot of this, these different questions we find through the book of Genesis. Today, we're going to be asking the question, where did all these nations come from? All these nationalities, all these languages, where did all they come from? They came from a mysterious tower in the Old Testament called the Tower of Babel. And so folks, we're going to be looking at that scripture today. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 11. And uh, wherever you find yourself, you can follow along with me as I read. All right? Listen to what God's Word says. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the what? In the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And then the Lord saw and said, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off from building the city. In other words, God intervened just at the right moment to save us from ourselves. Amen. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And family, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, many of you know that Ashley and I are in a really uh, a wonderful stage in life. We have a one-year-old and almost a four-year-old at home. And uh, we know that time is fleeting and so if you're older, you know how it is. Time goes by like this, and so we're trying to treasure as much of the season as possible. But folks, follow me here, because although it is a fun, se fun season, it can also be a very tiring season. Oh, yeah, and here's why. It's because I've begun to realize that a big part, a big portion of what it means to be a father is to protect my children from harming themselves. Oh, yeah. Mind you, 
There are moments where I let them just kind of explore and do things and, and, and try different things. And even when they stumble, I let them do it because I want them to learn. However, listen, there are moments that I have to intervene. In fact, everyone say intervene. Yeah, I have to intervene and disrupt what they are doing in order to protect them from themselves. For example, uh, just recently, my, you know, and our, we uh, baby-proofed our, our, our playroom, right? And I'm thinking we're all good and set. He, Mateo, could kind of roam around and do his thing. And the other day I was watching television, and he had his little back turned towards me. And so he was kind of quiet, so I, I thought, man, he's never this quiet. So I walked over, and I peek over his shoulder, and I don't know how he got this, but he got a, a Glade plug-in, yeah, took it apart, and it was start to chew on the Glade plug-in like it was a chew toy. Yeah, so, so I had to take it out of him and really protect him from himself. But if you think about it, as they grow up, nothing changes, right? Because when they are in elementary school, you want them to be sure they're not jumping off a dangerous place and hurting themselves. When they get into middle school, guess what? You're trying to protect them from the bad crowd or from, those, uh, uh, or from watching something on social media that they shouldn't be watching. When they get to high school, right, you're trying to protect them from drugs, from alcohol, and that little boyfriend, little girlfriend that's coming around for the first time that you know is not good for your daughter, for your little girl, for your little boy, right? And some of you may have 40-year-old children that you're still protecting from themselves. Yeah, isn't that right? But folks, do not miss this. Because a big part, right, of being a, a father, an earthly father, is to let my children explore and do things and even when they stumble. However, there are critical moments where I have to step in, I have to intervene, I have to disrupt what they are doing in order to prevent them from going down a path they can never return. And folks, let me bring that over to our teaching for today because what a picture of what our Heavenly Father does with you and me, amen? In fact, uh, and by that I mean that just like as a father, right, I got to intervene and protect uh, by children from themselves just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's Word today. There are moments in human history where our God, our Creator, our Heavenly Father has to intervene, has to disrupt what we are doing in order to protect us from ourselves. In other words, He has to intervene before we go as humanity down a path that we can never return. And family, that's exactly what took place at the Tower of Babel. God steps in and protects us, really, from ourselves. Who knows, maybe you're here right now watching us online, watching us at one of our campuses. And you're probably wondering, well, Pastor, what exactly happened at the Tower of Babel? And, and, and why is that so significant? Why are we opening God's Word today and we're studying this thing called the Tower of Babel? Why is it so important? Well, folks, we're going to find out today from Genesis chapter 11, all right? So if you have your Bibles at all campuses, let's turn to Genesis chapter 11. And folks, today you can follow along, by the way, in your listening guides that you received on the way in, or you can open our app and also follow there and take notes as if, if that's what you prefer. But today I have four thoughts for us on the Tower of Babel. Christ Fellowship, are you all ready to study God's Word today? Let me hear you. Yeah. 
Yeah? All right. So write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing we need to know. And that is that God commanded, at the beginning, God commanded humanity to spread and fill the earth. Now, in order to properly understand the Tower of Babel, we got to backtrack in the book of Genesis back to Genesis chapter 1. Because listen to the command that God gave Adam and Eve the moment after he created them. Listen to what it says in Genesis 1 verse 28. It says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And what's the next word? Fill. Yeah, and fill the earth. Now, listen to the first command that God gives Noah after the flood resides in Genesis chapter 9. It says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and what? And fill the earth. So family, I want to bring your attention to something very interesting. In both instances, both to Adam and to Noah, he gives the exact same command to man made in his own image, and that was to spread and to fill the earth. In fact, take a look at the comparison behind me, if we can put it up. Can we put it up behind me? Nope. There we go. You see, the, the command right to Adam was be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And look at Noah's command. Folks, exactly the same. And so the question is, why would God, why would this be such a priority to God? For man that's made in his own image to spread and fill the earth. Well, family, the answer is because the more people were made in his image and the more they spread and filled the earth, his kingdom would grow and expand to the point that the that the entire earth will be filled with his glory and with his people. And, 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 and so if, if people who are reading this in ancient times understood the context, the reason for this. In fact, let me just give you a, a quick background to help you understand a little more. You know, in ancient Near East cultures, whenever an earthly king will establish a kingdom, right, he will begin his kingdom, here's what he would do. He would send servants and viceroys to the border of, the, of his kingdom, of the new kingdom. And here's what he would do. He would send them with his own image to put all across the boundary of his new kingdom. And the idea is that that kid would conquer more and expand that kingdom, here's what it would do. Then those people would then move those images and expand, create more and more images and create a bigger uh, 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 perimeter, right, of, of his kingdom so that anybody who would walk in into that place, anybody that would walk into the kingdom, they would see the images of that king and know that they are stepping into a place where the people are led by this specific king. And folks, you see where I'm going with this? Folks, in the same way, God made man in his own image. He never envisioned to stay there in the Garden of Eden, but to reproduce himself, his own image, and spread the earth, 
And by, and by doing that, his kingdom would, 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 would expand, and the whole earth will be filled with his glory, with the image of God. Make sense? And folks, they would, as they would expand, they would do so as one, in one language, with one people group, and in one purpose. Right? And they would spread all throughout the earth, and they would be God's people. So this was the vision for humanity when he created us. However, unfortunately, write this down as big number two. Here's the sad part. Mankind rebelled against God by not dispersing. Now, folks, let's go back to the passage for today, to the actual Genesis 11, and listen to what it says. It says, now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for, mor for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a what? What does it say? A name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, keep in mind, where Noah landed right after the flood, all right, was actually, Scripture says, was in, on Mount Ararat. And as you can see behind me, this was the actual mountain in eastern Turkey at the farthest tip of eastern Turkey, we're right on that mountain. Scripture says that God landed right there that Noah began to start. And so the idea, in fact, let me just show you where this is really in, a, in term of a map. As you can see, that's a map of Europe. And Mount Ararat is right there in the middle. And if you think about how God would do it, he was very strategic. And he put, right, Noah and his family right in the center of it, right? So they can easily then go to Europe, down to Africa, down to India, to Russia, right? That they would spread all throughout the earth. But folks, what do they do according to Scripture? Instead of doing what God commanded, notice they went down and it says that they started traveling east and they landed in a place called the land of Shinar, which is modern-day Iraq in that, in that area, and they began to build a city and a tower that reached the heavens. So instead of dispersing, dispersing, they got together and they built this tower. Now, why would they build that tower? Here's a reason. It was pure rebellion against God. In fact, listen to what they said in Genesis 11. It says, let us make a what, family? Hey, it's 1045. You could do better than that. What is it? Yeah, a name. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. In other words, they did not want to make a name for God. They didn't want to make, bring glory to God. They wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to be prideful. No, no, it's not about you, God. It's about us. And so in their rebellion, in their pride, they rejected the plan of God. They rejected what God was leading them. And in, our, in their pride, they began to do whatever they saw as they, as they saw fit. And folks, isn't that what we do today still? 
We reject God's plan. We reject the glory of God. We reject his leading. And in our pride, we make it about ourselves instead of God. Isn't that right? And so because of it, listen to what happens. Write this down as big number three. God then intervenes and forcefully disperses humanity. Now listen to what it says in the passage in verse 5. It says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Now, when we read this, it almost sounds kind of encouraging to them, right? You know, it, it almost sounds like, you know, when, when you have a little boy, a little girl, and, and you're trying to encourage them, and you're like, hey, little Billy, whatever you want to do in life, you will accomplish it, right? We speak in those, like, lofty terms, right? You know, whatever you want, whatever you dream of, you're going to be able to accomplish it if you set your, your heart to it. And so we think about it. It's, it sounds like a nice thing God is saying, but quite the opposite. Because, listen carefully, God knew that if he allowed them to stay together with one language, with one people, all congregated in the same place, listen carefully, God knew that their wickedness and their ungodliness will rise to the level of before the flood. And so in many ways, God was protecting humanity from getting to such a degree that their wickedness would be just like it was before Noah. And so then listen to what God does next in verse 7. He says, come, let what? Us. Now notice, that's a point, uh, a sign of the Trinity speaking to each other. Father, Son, Spirit. They're saying, let us, a Trinity, go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they, left, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. So even though sometimes we may look at all the different languages in the world and think it's something so beautiful, so, so unique, so diverse, the reality is is that all the different languages of the world are really a cause from God's judgment on God's pride and their sin. And so what we see here is that God confused their language and dispersed them. And the reason that it was called the Tower of Babel is because the word Babel in the Hebrew sounds like confusion. And so they called it the place, a tower, where we were all confused. They didn't really understand each other. They were all confused. They didn't know what was going on. And so it, therefore it's called the Tower of Babel. And so from that tower, we see where all the diversity that we see on this earth. First of all, they had different languages, right? All of a sudden they had different languages. So now they didn't understand each other. And now when, once they identified, all right, those people, that they have our same language, what happened, they all started to get together, apportion, disperse each other, and there became nations. And then from there, they became people groups, and they started spreading now throughout the earth like God had originally commanded. Now, you may be wondering, well, were all the, were all the, the races, the skin colors, how, how did that change? Well, 
It looks like the, 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 the way it happened was as people began to migrate to different parts of the earth, of the globe, uh, their skin colors began to adapt according to the region and the amount of UV rays that they were getting from the sun. So, for example, those who migrated, those people that migrated closer to the equator, uh, their, their skin color became a little darker. So, for example, when you look at uh, South, Pacific, uh, South Pacific Islanders, uh, uh, Indian people, uh, Middle Eastern, African, uh, Caribbean people, and even those in Central and South America, have you, have you noticed those who are closer to the equator through time, right, they became darker, and those who then migrated further and further and further away, their skin color adapted the same way. And so researchers think that it took about 100 generations for that to settle in, and after those 100 generations, then you had different people groups with different languages, with different uh, skin tone difference, uh, uh, color differences, all throughout the earth. But the reality is that when you look at this, it's sad. Something is very sad. What's sad is that God originally dispersed humanity, get this, because of the pride in their heart. Right? When he looked at the heart of the people of Tower of Babel, he saw the pride against God in their heart, and so God dispersed them. But can I tell you, you can see our sinful nature a mile away here. Even when we are dispersed to be protected from ourselves, guess what? We still struggle with pride. And that pride, that sin, is called racism. Because racism, at the heart of the sin of racism, is pride. It's when you try to elevate your people group, your nationality, your skin color, whatever the case may be, when you try to elevate yourself in pride and bring down other people groups that do not look like you. And so it's sad that even though in pride God dispersed us, we still manage a way to be prideful, aren't we? We still manage a way to mess things up. And you've seen it throughout the last several years, right? All the conflicts, everything going on, listen, is because of the sinful condition in mankind. And so even though the language of the world are really a judgment against sin, However, listen, God has a plan. Amen? In fact, write this down as big number four, uh, four at all campuses. And that is that God unites all people groups through Christ. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. amen. Now, let's leave the book of Genesis for just one moment, all right, and travel with me to the future 4,200 years. And now we land in the book of Acts. We see, we find ourselves in a place in human history where the promised Messiah, God promised that he would send someone, we've learned in this series, right, to crush the head of the serpent, to redeem us from our sin, who was Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus Christ died on that cross, right, he was dying for my sins, for your sins. He made an atonement for our sins at the cross so that through faith in Christ we could be forgiven of our sins and have everlasting life. And as we know the scripture, he resurrected to new life, and he ascended back to heaven. Now, the disciples who were left here on earth, they were not, to they were not totally clear on what was God's plan of redemption for the rest of time. And so listen to what happens in, um, in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, which, by the way, it's a moment, it's a Jewish holiday where 
At that time, people from every nation, tribe, tongue would come together in Jerusalem to worship God. So it was a very important moment. And so listen to what happens on that day. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, the disciples. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues, in other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every what? From every nation. These are key hints of what's happening here. From every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together. Right, so when they heard the, this noise, this, 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 this weird noise coming, the whole town ran together to see what was going on. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own what? In his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans, Jewish people, common Jewish people? How is it that each of us, that is, how is it that we, are he, that we hear each of us in our own native what? Language. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God, and all were what? Amazed. And folks, listen, do not miss this, because this right here is a monumental moment in redemptive history. And that is where God, get this, God begins to reverse what he did at Babel. And he now begins the redemption of all people groups under him. You see, we need to understand that an important plan of redemption is not only that Christ would save us from our sin, but that people from every group, from every tribe, from every, uh, from every country, listen, will be saved. And folks, we see the full reversal of the Tower of Babel at the end of time, at the end of Scripture in the book of Revelation. And listen to what happens in Revelation chapter 5 and what it was said about Christ. It says, Worthy are you, O Lord, right, to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people from every tribe and what? Language and people, and nation, and you have made them a kingdom, one people group under God again, and a priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Can we give a praise to God for that? And so church, do not miss this amazing dichotomy that's happening here. Because even though the languages were designed by God as a judgment for their sin, God also designed them to, for the global glory of Jesus Christ. Amen? And, for, and so because of that, it is so important that it's so important to the Lord that He calls us to join Him on that mission. 
You see, it is so important for the Lord to reach all the nations that he calls us to be part of it. You see, part of the reason that you and I were saved by Christ when we put our faith in him and we were saved by faith, listen, it's not only so that we would have a relationship with God, which is a, a beautiful part of it, right? We have a relationship with that God who made us. But the other part of it is that we would now be used by God to redeem people from every tribe, nation, and, and tongue. And family, as a church, we have a big task, a big responsibility. And that is to join Christ in the work of redemption. In fact, this is why in the great commission, the great command before the Lord ascended to heaven, listen to what he said. It says, all, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of what? All Say it again, all nations. all nations. Yeah, all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In other words, listen, God is calling his church, listen carefully, to go to the different people groups on this earth and take them the glorious message of the gospel. In fact, this is such an important part of the gospel that the Lord said, I will not return until this is complete. In fact, listen to what the Lord stated in Matthew 24. He says, oh, and this kingdom, I'm sorry, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. As a testimony to what? You see the trend here? To all nations. And then the end will come. See, family, here's what I want you to get this morning. Uniting all different people, groups, tribe, nation, languages, skin colors under Christ is not just a side benefit of the gospel. It's actually at the core of the gospel. You follow? It's at the core of the gospel because when Christ came down to this earth, his view is that just as he dispersed everyone on the Tower of Babel, in Christ he would make one people group with one language, with one purpose, and that is to bring glory to God and God alone. Can we praise God for that? And family, this is why God is calling us to go on global missions. You know, and can I be honest, when we go on global mission trips, it's not only amazing to see what the Lord does through you, right? When you go and you minister to people and of other people, of other tribes, of other nations. But can I tell you, it's also amazing what God does in you at, through the process, amen? In fact, take a look at this story of how God works in a mission trip. I remember it was a few years ago. Pastor Rick was challenging the church to go on global missions. Because he did that huge challenge, I feel like a tug on my heart, so I decided to go to El Salvador. And that was the first mission trip that I went on. And we were able to just interact with the community, not only give them some, a physical need, but also a spiritual need. Like, we can give them all the food, all the water, all the medication, and that stuff is wonderful and that's needed, but it's going to fade. What's going to stay with them is, is the truth of the gospel. I think that's important. It's more important than anything else we could give them. So one time I went on a big trip um, 
to Central Asia and to Asia. And it was the first time that I was gonna go meet with someone one-on-one. -on -one. She spoke English uh, somewhat. So we went to lunch and we're talking. And so, so it's the holiday where they fast for a few weeks, I believe. Um, and then they sacrifice an animal. That's kind of like a big celebration. And so we were talking about that. And she was saying, well, it's like an atonement for our sins. She's like, what do you believe? And so I was able to explain the sacrifice of Christ and how we don't have to do anything else and how it's just, we're living in freedom now. And she was like, wow, you know, I've never heard that before. <laughs> that was, just like touched my heart. So at the end of my trip, I was able to give her a Bible in her language. And we still keep in touch. <laughs> we're still friends. It was just a really cool experience that God, that God decided to use me in that moment. And I remember I went home that day and I, I remember I danced. I was so, I was so happy. She never heard of Jesus. She never heard of the hope that we have. And in fact, in my life, in ways I can't even express. The fact that God decided to use me, someone who is introverted, someone who gets nervous. Um, uh, the impact is huge. I mean, God decided to use me. Uh, and he wants to use you too. You know, If you feel that tug on your heart, like don't ignore it. The Bible calls us to go into all the world and to preach the good news. And he's not saying it's only for certain types of people. It's for all of us to do. Our job is to, to tell people about Jesus in any way. So he's given us gifts to serve his people, to love people, to share the love of Christ with people. I believe that if you have a willing heart, um, God will use that. Wow, glory to God for that. You know, family, listen, Christ Fellowship over its 104-year history. Listen, we have been just so raised, uh, so focused, so committed on global mission trips, on reaching the nations, on sending the gospel to the far corners of the earth to the best of our abilities. You know, during the last several years, because of COVID, we've had to put a pause on global mission trips. Just like many, there was a lot of travel restrictions, so it was very hard to go, to go on global mission trips. But I think as a church, listen, it's time to get back and what God's calling us to do. Amen? And so listen, next year we're starting, I'm pleased to announce, we're restarting our global mission trips. Can we praise God for that? And so here's just for the first, for the first half of the year, here's some of the places that we're going to. We're going to, first of all, Amman, Jordan. Uh, there's unreached people groups there that we are uh, going to take the gospel to. Also, there is different countries that we're going to, such as Colombia, Costa Rica, Guatemala, Puerto Rico. And, uh, you know, these are places, what we do is that we partner with our global mission campuses to go to areas in those places where people really haven't heard the gospel, really haven't been reached by the gospel of Christ. I, I know when I went to, um, years back, went to El Salvador on a mission trip, I, it was an amazing moment for me just to be able to get exposed to uh, the mission work of Christ globally. And I remember going to parts of uh, El Salvador that really were just so unreached. They were so far. They were really, a, to a certain extent, you were not able to go because of certain neighborhoods. They wouldn't prevent you from going there, but they would allow people with the gospel to go there by the grace of God. And I was able to see there and, and just be, be there and, and share the gospel and it was such an amazing moment. And so what, what I want to encourage you is, listen, is if you feel that God is tugging in your heart to go on one of these mission trips, uh, maybe it's you want to go with your small group, maybe as a family, maybe uh, young adults, students, whatever the case may be, 
I would encourage you with this. Listen, if you feel like that hard talking, here's what I want to encourage you. Right behind me, you'll see that right there, there is a website at cfmiami.org slash global missions. And if you don't mind, let's go ahead and if you don't mind, you have your phone with you. Go ahead and take your phone out really quick and open the camera app right there. Don't worry, you're not signing up for anything right now. I just want you to get information. Go ahead and scan that QR code right there. And go ahead and scan that. Click on the little link. And when you open that link, you'll see the info page. And then you can just review it, the information. And if you feel like, man, I, I feel like this will be a, a really awesome thing, go ahead, and, go ahead and sign up for that. Uh, we'll have some informational meetings to help you understand a little more about uh, what the trips entail and what they will do. Uh, and then, then you can make a decision where you want to go. Uh, now, for some of us, we may be in a stage of life that we can't go for whatever reason. We're just not able to right now. But man, you would love to maybe help someone else go. Well, you can do that as well. If part of that, you, will, you can also contribute uh, to sponsoring someone else partially, fully, whatever you, the Lord leads you to, to help maybe somebody that can't afford to go but can go to go. And there you can just help them out, whether they're a young adult or someone in need or whatever the case may be. Listen, the key is that as we move forward as a church, we've got to be ultra committed to global missions. Amen? It's at the heart of the gospel. It's what God is calling us to do. So let me end with this. It's a reminder from God's word of the Great Commission. Some beautiful words from our Lord. He said this. He said, Christ fellowship, remember this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I love this. Then the Lord said, and behold. Behold this truth. The Lord said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Which means that, folks, as we go on global mission trips, as we go evangelize, as we reach not only this city, but we reach other countries for Christ, the Lord's promising, listen, I will be with you even till the end of the age. I will never leave you or forsake you. And until I come back, I will be with you accomplishing his work. Can we praise God for the beautiful promise? And so if you feel in your heart that tug, listen, don't ignore it. That's the Lord leading you. Go to the website, get more information. All right, let me pray for us as we, as we end. My Lord God, we are just so grateful, Father, that you have not only saved us from our sin, but Father, you give us the privilege to join you in redeeming all people groups again under you, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for this great privilege. Help us, O Lord, accomplish the work you've entrusted to us. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray, and all of God's people say, amen. Hey, let's give another shout of praise to God.